Perfect. Sixers Nation, welcome on in, man. Back at it again. No pun intended. Run it back, baby. Sixers Weekly, number one collab show for the fans, man. Appreciate everybody being out there, man. We're back talking James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, all the other NBA news in a dry time, man. It's been a boring week. But we are going to spice it up, as always, man. We even talked some summer league. Let's go. Philly Take with RB. Run it back, Philly. We're live on both shows, man. Show some love. Hit the like button for your boys. Subscribe to the channels, man. Hit the bell. We got you covered, as always, man. Follow us on all the socials. Once again, Sixers Weekly, Philly Take with RB. I'm RB. We got DJ Eastwood running back Philly. Let's yeah. go. And we'll no take fault. your phone calls. And we'll take your phone calls. Let's go, man. We got a lot to get into. DJ, how you feeling, man? I'm feeling good right now, man. I'm being I'm being uh, uh sucked back in, pause to the James Harden uh being elite topic after this uh interview that uh he just dropped today. Um, or that he was a part of that was just released today or yesterday. Maybe I'm late. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good about it. Feeling a lot better than I was at the end of the season. And maybe that's just me having not had any NBA basketball in my life for, for uh, you know, a couple months now. <laughs> hey, man, it was a tough fall. It was a, you know, disappointing end as it's been the last couple years. But, you know. Things are things are seeming to fall a little bit into place, right? And and you know, like you talked about, we'll get into it. James Harden did an article with, I believe it was called Hot Time Magazine. Uh, and he was just simply talking about himself. And we definitely want to get your thoughts out there. If James Harden comes back, you know, will the Sixers be a contender? Will they be able to get things done? We'll talk about what he said once again. Philly take with RB running back Philly. Shout out to everybody out there. 155 in the chat. Hit the thumbs up. For your boys, man. Appreciate you guys being in. We did this show last week. Let us know if you want us to continue to do this show. You guys are the best, man. But uh, let's get let's get into it, man. So uh, just as of, I believe, earlier today, James Harden comes out 
And as we said, he did an interview, did an interview with a magazine um, and essentially was talking about just his play, his offseason plan, what he, you know, really aims to do to get back for this Sixers team. Um, and we have some interesting quotes. Let's just be honest here. James Harden made some pretty big boy statements. And um, I I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. So here's the article, just summing it up. It says uh, he spoke with Adrian uh, Ferrot of Hot Time and dished on a number of topics, including how he's using the summer to break his diet in hopes of regaining his elite form on the court. Quote, I've got to be cautious of what I eat because as you get older, your metabolism slows down. It sucks. Honestly, I love to eat and I don't want to be having to watch how many calories I intake. I don't shred fat as fast as I used to, so I have to work extra hard, especially in the summertime. <laughs> in the summertime, I want to be free. I want to eat, sip wine, and do whatever I want to do. That screams Hamptons to me, baby. That Hamptons screams at chicken my... wings at the strip club to me. That's what that screams to me. <laughs> Having a good time, man. He says, he goes on, he says, it's still early summer, so I don't want to be going crazy working out now, but I am going into year 14. Crazy, man. 33 years old, year 14. Still has some time to go. Says, I've got to be cautious as far as hitting my peak when I'm supposed to be in my stride going into the season. He goes on. He continually talks. He says, there's a goal. And to get there, you have to put the work in. And um, here's the big quote. Here's the big quote. So, um, we're going to go over to the Run It Back Philly page, Instagram Shout out to him. Definitely give it a follow. Follows both on our socials. Um, in this interview, James Harden uh, was essentially asked about, you know, his offseason, what he expects. And he says, this summer, I am getting back to the elite level that I know I can be at. He said he, he guarantees. James Harden says, I will be back at an elite level and I will be doing what I can to help this team moving forward. DJ, your thoughts? Yeah, I I, uh, I paraphrase on that Instagram uh, message. So just to get the actual full quote, I don't know if you had it over there, but uh, it, he said, so I'm taking this summer as an opportunity to do something for me to make sure that I get back to the elite level that I know I can be at and that I will be at. So he said he wants to be at that elite level and he will be at that elite level. Um, You know, and that that... That's just that just puts me in a great uh, a great state of mind when it comes to looking forward to this upcoming season because um, the first part of that quote, by the way, he said, "I've had the luxury of not having to deal with any serious injuries uh, my entire career, but these last two years I've been dealing with some hamstring issues, so I'm taking this summer as an opportunity to do something for me." So he's saying, you know, kind of like I looked the way that I looked this past season and these playoffs because I've been rehabbing a hamstring for two seasons and you know the question really is has James Harden been in the best shape he can possibly be in ever since he left Houston um and the answer to that I would say no and even James Harden basically says no he he's been dealing with the hamstring issue so he's looking at it like this is finally a summer where I'm no longer dealing with the hamstring and I can get back to what I was doing the level that I was at and the quotes that you just read about the diet, the fact that your metabolism slows down when you're 32, uh, you know, you got to start watching what you eat. He doesn't shed fat as fast. It tells me that he's actually 
understanding, and I never thought he didn't understand it. He's not an idiot. He's obviously a smart individual. He understands I have to start changing the way that I do things or my career could be over very quickly. You know, I'm sure he looks at a guy like LeBron James and says that dude is still at an elite level at 37, not by magic, because he takes everything into account seriously and works at being at an elite level well into his late 30s. And anybody can, barring injury, anybody can be at that level of of physical fitness at any age they want. It's all about how much you want it. And I think, you know, this past season, James didn't perform. He was quote-unquote embarrassed. He doesn't like to be embarrassed. So I think everything together is motivating him to, like, this is the season that I'm going to get back to what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Here's the quote once again in full. He says, I've had the luxury of not having to deal with any serious injuries with surgeries or whatnot my entire career. These last two years, I've been dealing with some hamstring issues, which are nothing to play with. So I'm taking this summer as an opportunity to do something for me to make sure I get back to the elite level I know I can be at and I will be at. That's priority number one. I agree 100% with what DJ said. And I want to add something here, Sixers Nation. All right, I'm just going to say it before anybody else does, okay? This is a breath of fresh air. And let me tell you why, okay? Because for years, we've had to deal with a guy that would not get better, multiple players that just didn't work out. Okay, this is good. This is good to hear. How about a player who disappointed? He explicitly stated he knows he disappointed. And yet everything we've heard, everything we've seen, him in the gym, working with Sam Cassell, Tyrese Maxey, and then saying things like, I know what I have to do. You know, I understand I'm getting older. I have to eat better. I have to get in the gym. This is what we want to hear. And this is just, you know, how a superstar's mindset is. You know, he wants to be great. Like I said, the only thing he hasn't done is one. And here he is saying that he's going to do everything in his power to do so. Maybe it doesn't work out. But the fact that he's able to come out here and, and, you know, after a game six, he says, I'm going to do everything I can to make the team better, to help this squad get better. Like, those are things I like to hear, man. And this is a really good start. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't sit up there in a press conference and say, well, how many assists did I have? You know, he's, this is a big word for Philly sports in the last couple of years. He's taking self accountability. He, 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 he was in the bathroom and he looked at himself in the mirror and he said, I wasn't good enough. I need to be better. And that's something that certain athletes in this city couldn't comprehend for the past couple of seasons and just couldn't bear the fact that it was your fault. You weren't good enough. You need to be better. You know, the, the, the deflecting and blame here and blame here and blame here and then quitting and refusing to come back. Uh, yeah, it's nice to have an athlete that's, uh, you know, enough of a, uh, has enough of a killer instinct inside him that holds himself to a standard and said straight up, I didn't play to that standard and I need to be better. Um, and is, and is, uh, is taking the steps to, to get back to that. And he's so confident in those steps that he's confident enough to say it out loud. I will be at that elite level. Uh, my question would be. Is he talking about Houston James Harden? I mean, is he talking about 30 points per game James Harden? Is he talking about MVP level James Harden? Or is he talking about maybe Brooklyn, you know, right after he left Houston before that hamstring injury where 
he was still at an he was still on MVP list, but he was clearly a little bit overweight compared to what his normal playing weight and fitness level was. Um, so you know, I, I ask myself, has James Harden been in the best shape he could possibly be in since he left Houston? And I think the answer is no. You know, Daryl Morey stepped down in Houston. The whole thing went down with Westbrook requesting a trade because he knew Harden wanted out. Harden requests a trade. Houston says, nah, we're not trading you where you want because we're going to get more. He says, fine, I'll come to training camp. He comes in like 25 pounds overweight intentionally. <laughs> has he ever has he gotten back into tip-top shape since then? And I don't think he has. So maybe this upcoming season is when he finally does. And, you know, the way that he looked last season, people take his age into account, but it's all how you prepare and how you take care of yourself because I want to let people know, people that don't know, and remind people that may have forgotten. One of the best years of Michael Jordan's career, he was 33 years old. He had the Bulls at 72 and 10. I'm not saying the Sixers are going to do that. I'm just comparing, saying your, your, you know, your age. And I could have went LeBron James. I could go a couple other players. But at 33, Michael Jordan led the league in scoring at 30.5 points per game, won the MVP, had the Bulls at 72 and 10, and won the NBA championship. So it's not impossible for somebody at 33 to be at a, an elite, elite level. So maybe Houston Harden actually is possible. Well, you know, I, I think it's a good point. Um, I would also kind of, you know, send a question back your way is, you know, does he have to be Houston Harden? Um, I, I think when he left Houston and he went to Brooklyn, uh, you know, he got a bad rep. And I think, honestly, he adapted his game, right? This was still a guy averaging 22, you know, 10 and, and 10, capable of giving you 30 on a night, giving you 15 assists. But he adapted. He adapted around the play of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Unfortunately for them, he got hurt in the playoffs and, you know, it just never really returned the same. I mentioned it multiple times. I'm not saying that's an excuse for, you know, going out and shooting two times uh, in the second half of a playoff game. But, you know, the, the hamstring was obviously bothering him. I don't think he was 100% consistent. And that's completely, you know, back to what you said about taking care of yourself. But I, I got to be honest, I don't think he needs to be Houston Harden. I think the emergence of Tyrese Maxey can take some of that weight off the shoulder. Um, and if Harden can be that guy to give us 22, 10, and, and 8, you know, that's perfectly fine for me. It's really about reading the room, right? Picking your spots, attacking when you need to. And if he can start to, you know, especially shoot off the catch and shoot, you know, get that dynamic two-guard game going, him and Maxi, maybe Maxi can play off the ball sometimes. Harden, you can start to do a lot of different things, especially in a pick-and-roll game. Um, I think Harden just needs to pick his spots and when he does, he needs to attack. Uh, I don't know if he needs to be Houston Harden, but I think he can be. When he talks about elite, I think he means in tip-top physical shape. I think he means feeling like the James Harden from Houston. To get uh, to win an NBA championship, to beat the best of the best teams, you know, we saw them fail against the the Miami Heat, who even with Embiid's broken face, they should have beat. Um, yeah. So when you really look at like teams with like top two or three perimeter defense, Boston Celtics, Golden State Warriors. I don't know if they're top two or three at this point, but they always play really good perimeter defense and team defense. Um, is, you know, Harden just being a, a facilitator or a playmaker here and there really enough? I, I guess I, I can agree that he doesn't necessarily have to be Houston Harden, but if he can be, I mean, that's... <laughs> 
if he can be, imagine you know Joel Embiid in his prime on that team when Harden was dropping 36 points per game. Um, the play style would have been different. The team would have been constructed different. But Harden was completely unstoppable. Joel Embiid's completely unstoppable. We already know that. I just think if he can be, I mean, that puts us over the top and makes us a favorite to win the whole thing. Um, if he can't necessarily get back to that level, you know, that 26-year-old James Harden, I get it. Uh, and then, you know, I agree that it's still enough because, you know, all you, all you need is him to be a threat to score um, in, in crunch time situations when Joel's getting doubled and tripled. Maxi kind of faded away a little bit in the, in the playoffs in important games, but he's two, he was 20 years old. You can't fault him for it, but, you know, you just need James to be a threat to score. He doesn't have to be a number one NBA superstar MVP level. I agree with that. Uh, but he has to be playing at an all-star level, I think, for you to go the whole way and win the whole thing. And, you know, I, I want Maxi to take another leap forward this year, and I think he will, but I don't want to rely – I don't want to have to rely on that being a thing. I don't want to have to – if Maxi's even better, then we have a – I think James Harden should be able to get to a point where he's so good – that Maxi doesn't have that pressure on him to be this big time performer in year three and can just take steps forward and you know maybe the defense slacks off Maxi a little bit more because Harden it becomes more unstoppable than he was last season. Yeah, I agree. And also in addition to that, you know, another way that James Harden looks better is you know his obviously he's a good facilitator, but he needs the guys on the other end to knock down the shots. Right, that's why you go get a guy like a PJ Tucker who has that familiarity with James Harden, will be able to bring some of that toughness to this team. Um, I just think making the supporting cast better around James Harden, I think him getting healthier, having a full off season, and really just having that motivation. And I go back to the contract. I know we've kind of overblown it at this point, but let's think about this, right? James Harden, take away the, the figures and all that. He wants to earn another contract, right? That's the goal. Right? He's probably going to opt out next year and try to get more money in the long term to extend his career to get paid longer. So what does that mean? That means he's going to be amped up to have the best year of his career, to push this team over the top, and, and to go back what you said. Right, Look at the last two years. We have been on the verge of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know, interesting circumstances, but to have a guy that you know really just folded it in a big moment and then to have our best player essentially hurt in, in four different areas, and we're almost there. So like you said, if, if we even get any type of better hard in this year, plus the renovations that we've made on this team, I think I think we can make a big jump, man. And a healthy Joel Embiid, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think a healthy Joel Embiid with two other, with another all-star level player and a, and a, you know, a third option like Maxi and a solid bench, can beat any team in a seven-game series. It's it, yeah. I've said it a million times. It's all about Joel Embiid being healthy. Again, it's the Tom Brady on the Patriots for me. If he's injured, you're done. Um, so, you know, if you get a healthy Embiid and, and Harden, yeah, looks at an all-star level and Maxi takes another step forward and the bench, um, you know, the the De'Anthony Melton signing, the P.J. Tucker signing, the Daniel House, um, and some of the other guys, I, I just think this team is – is the best it can be right now. And I think Daryl Morey did uh, a damn good job in basically one offseason because his plans got derailed by by Ben Simmons last season, and he had to kind of get rid of that problem and figure that out on the fly and then try to build this whole thing this offseason. So, yeah, I just think it puts us in the conversation uh, to win the whole thing. And 
I, I admire that James Harden um, is putting the pressure on himself by saying these things out loud because, you know, there there's there was players in this city that couldn't handle the pressure of playing in this city. Like, people need to realize also he's playing in Philadelphia. That's way different than playing in Houston, in Brooklyn, in a lot of other cities. He's playing in a city, and he knows he's playing in a city where every single fan watches every single second or, or a lot more fans, a, lot, a larger percentage of the fans watch every single second of every game from they're there before the game starts. They don't show up halfway through the second quarter. They know what's going on. There's a lot more pressure in Philly. And after last season's performance, there's even more pressure. I mean, they were booing him in some of those playoff games. Yeah. If he comes out and doesn't look better, he knows it. You're going to get eaten alive by this crowd. It's a reason the biggest fraud of all time never even came back decided I'd rather never go back than to face those fans. So James knows he's in a city where the pressure is is probably the highest, um, and he's putting the pressure on himself, and he's confident that he can get there, or else he wouldn't be saying this out loud and in the public. So I have no reason to think that he can't do it because he believes he can do it. He's he's done it before, um, you know, and, and I just hope he, he – he can get there. Uh, he said he likes food, you know, and we know he does. Um, you know, hopefully he can stick to his word there and yeah. stay away from the wrong things. You know, yeah, exactly. And also, you know, this is the best, might be the best last chance that he gets. Right? He wanted to always play, you know, with a dominant center. Here he has Joel Embiid, and he knows, like you said, the immense pressure on him. Shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Three eighty-five up in the house. Hit the like for your boys wherever you're watching this, man. Philly take with RB. Run it back, Philly. Live on two shows, bringing you the coverage, man. It's a downtime, but lots to talk about, man. It's it's never a dry week in Philly sports, man. Shout out to uh, Top Shot with the $5 Super Chat. Says, remember the post of him running the steps last year? That didn't last. You really think he's going to be disciplined this year? Fool me once. Uh, personally, I, I don't you know agree with your take. I, I think he got injured. I think he was dealing with a an injury. Um so that, to me, wasn't really about motivation. It's not like he just sat there and said, I don't want to get better. You know, I don't want to play better. I think he's going to do everything he can to put his body in the best position possible. Um, and like I said, I expect some of these other people, other players to take pressure off of him as well and everybody to really step up. And, and you know, instead of having 20 games to really go off, how about an entire training camp? How about more time to really mesh together and more time for Maxi and Harden to work together, et cetera, um, I don't know if he's going to come out and perform like he used to. What I know is that he's going to be working this offseason, and and this gives us the best shot. Yeah, I don't know if he got re-injured. Um, I don't know if it was the hamstring. I think he got burnt out. I think he wasn't in great shape, and he's basically saying that with all the things he's saying now about, you know, your metabolism slows down and you got to take certain things seriously to be in the best shape you can be in. So I don't think he was in great shape. I think he looked good the first couple of games in Philly. Uh, he was riding a high. Um, he was well-rested after sitting out for that amount of time. And then I just think his he got worn down by the end of the season. And then by the time the playoffs came around, he didn't have any gas in the tank. Um, and, you know, I don't know if he re-aggravated the hamstring or anything like that. I just think he got – he just ran out of fuel. Um, I think this, this upcoming season we should see something better and, you know – Hopefully he has that elite level or or that level of energy you need by the time the playoffs start. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't know if that 
is going to include some kind of load management uh, that the NBA is trying to yeah. shut down right now, by the way. <laughs> Did you hear that Adam Silver quote today? Uh, I I didn't hear a load management quote. I know they're trying to add an in-season tournament in a couple years. <laughs> Adam Silver had a quote today. Um, maybe there should be some money. I forget the wording, but basically maybe your pay should be based on how many games you play. Mm. <laughs> they, they want them to play more games, man. They want to add another tournament in season, which to I me mean, makes no sense. They want them to play 82 games. The NBA was set up to play 82 games for a reason. You're supposed to sign up and play 82 games. You know, this whole, we're going to rest our guys for 20 of those games. Yeah, it's nice if you're trying to get to the playoffs and be healthy, but the product itself, they want the best players on the floor every single game, every time the fans show up, every time the fans turn on the TV. So, you know, but I, I think maybe for James and Joel to get to the playoffs at, at 100%, they need a little bit of load management. We'll see if... Yeah the nba cracks down on it yet yeah not exactly yeah and you and you need your guys you need your top dogs when that when the time gets going right when you get late in the season and when you get to the playoffs you need your guys that's just how the nba works um if you want to call into the show give us some thoughts we'll take a caller or two maybe you want to chime in on james harden we're going to transition and and discuss this whole tyrese maxi thing that's been going on uh call into the show man 508-924-3784 shout out to everybody out there tuning in listening giving your takes as well in the chat we got a five dollar super chat from jersey boy appreciate it says thoughts on harris trade options bench rotation is shaking cork moss coming back let me ask you this dj at this point do you see any type of tobias trade happening and do you think we'll address you know any other needs or, or anything you think we need to address or, or more bench depth what do you think um, no, right now, unless something absolutely out of left field happens, I don't see the Sixers being able to move Tobias Harris and getting what they want in return for, you know, giving up a player that is a, is a solid role player for the Sixers. I know he's massively overpaid. Everybody knows that, but we, we're kind of at the point where, you know, Harden allowed us to sign certain players by taking less money on his new deal. Uh, you know, you, you were going to trade Tobias Harris, I think, because you felt like you had to, to even be able to improve the team at all. So I think they're going to sit for another year and probably try to trade Tobias on and sell it as an expiring contract, um, then trade him this off season, because I just think you did all you could do to make this team better. And, you know, at the end of the day, having Tobias Harris as a fourth scoring option is pretty good. Um, you're paying a lot of money for it. You don't want to pay that money, but I just don't think it's worth trading him just to trade him if you don't necessarily have to. Like the, I think they, they felt like they had to at a certain point, and then the deal worked out with Harden uh, taking $15 million less, um, so they don't necessarily have to be forced into trading Tobias Harris just to get off the contract. Yeah, so I don't see, I don't see Tobias being traded. I'm on the same type of plane there. Um, I don't think he's getting moved. I think we're essentially going in to this season with what we have now. I know we have to, you know, we have one extra guy on a roster, so something will happen. Um, I think Tobias will stay, and I think, you know, he's. I think he'll be an efficient fourth option, like DJ said, um, and that's just really what we need. You know, is there another guy that's going to come in and be able to give you uh, 18 off the bench as a fourth option? at a much lower rate based on who's available. Probably not. Uh, I think we'll run it with this season and see how it goes. Obviously, we're in a championship mode. We're in championship contention right now. 
that's what we're viewing. That's what Daryl Morey wants. And he just doesn't really view anything else as, as really making that significant upgrade and, and being able to shed Tobias Harris. So I, I don't think anything's going to happen. Uh, in terms of the bench, though, I think hopefully it'll be a, a dog-eat-dog type of thing, man. Hopefully the guys that, that earn minutes will get them. Um, and, and really, before we transition, I actually wanted to get your take, you know, real quick, you know, on, on the center position because people have been saying, you know, Bassie is, is kind of underwhelming so far in summer league. And, and, you know, can Paul Reed be your backup? Now, you know, Jersey Boy asked about Shake and Corkmaz. I mean, can we really go another season depending on these type of guys, right? We get the DeAnthony Meltons. We get the P.J. Tuckers who are obviously going to play. But but do we have enough? Do we have enough depth? Yeah, I think your, your backup center, I mean, if you look at, like, championship teams who had a great center, like, who was the Lakers' backup center on the Shaq team? Who the hell knows? I don't know. Maybe Horace Grant when he was 40. Uh, I think that's. I think that actually is was one of the years Horace Grant was still there and he was really old. I just think your your backup center has to be able to rebound and play defense. Um, and I think Paul Reed and Charles Bassey can both do that. I think Charles Bassey's been underwhelming in the in the uh, summer league because I just assumed I was going to see a dominant performance because I think he has the offensive skill set to go out there and drop thirty points on a bunch of nobodies in, in summer league games. Uh, but it has, it has been underwhelming as far as him looking like the stud that I thought he was going to look like in the summer league. But as far as just being uh, solid in 10 minutes of bench time for Joel Embiid, 10 to 12 minutes of bench time for Joel Embiid in the regular season, uh, 10, 8 to 10 minutes in the, in the postseason, um, I just think that those guys can rebound and play defense well enough uh, to fill in that time. I don't think you really need – like a stud backup center. It'd be nice to have, you know, Andre Drummond, who's going to get every rebound that comes off the rim, or Dwight Howard, the way that he looked when he was here, uh, backing up Joel. But I don't think it's totally necessary. I think uh, the maybe the wing position right now is probably the biggest uh, hole in the roster. Um, but, you know, is, every, is anybody's roster perfect? I don't know. I think if I had to pick a dark horse, though, outside of that backup center topic, uh, if I had to pick a dark horse who people are probably uh, uh, looking over a little bit, I think DeAnthony Melton is going to be an absolute machine off the bench. I think he's going to be a, a Lou Williams level of player uh, mm. at at maybe not at this age right now, but I think he's going to impress a lot of people. He has a crazy amount of athleticism. Uh, he can play defense, average two blocks per 36 minutes at six foot two, which is crazy. Average is 37% on 7.5 three point attempts per 36 minutes. So when he gets the minutes, he puts up the shots and he shoots decent percentages. He's athletic. He can dribble, pass, and shoot. He can finish at the rim. I think DeAnthony Melton is being overlooked a little bit as, you know, a lot of fair weather. I don't want to say fair weather, but a lot of fans that don't dive deep into things are like, who the hell is that guy? You know, we, we signed a guy I never heard of, whatever. But I think that people are going to be uh, shocked by what they see off the bench from him. Yeah, and, and I hope that people really take the time to, you know, go and, and earn their opportunities. You know, I, I don't think we can really last, you know, if we get the same shake, the same fur on. These are guys we want to improve, right? We need them. If we get that shake, Milton, that showed the resemblance of a, a potential 6'7 man, you know, years ago, great. That would really, really help this team. Um, I don't know if you can just let it linger anymore. You know, they they really need to come out and show something. Um, 
Shout out to Mr. Roddy Poo with the $5 Super Chases. I think you guys are on to something with the gas tank thing. I can say the same for the team. Max, Niang, Tease have never played this much. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of question marks, but these guys now having another year under their belt, they know they're going to get minutes, right? The Niangs of the world. I think Niang was, was hurt in the playoffs as well, right? Goes back to the common theme. We need to be in shape. How do we do that? Maybe we give our guys some more rest, but who knows, man? Um, I do agree, though. It did seem kind of like everybody was you know, out of it uh, come the playoff time, come the second round. And we were just really dejected, especially after that Embiid injury. Um, For sure. Shout out to Charles with the $2 super chat. Uh, appreciate it. it. says, who's better, Maxi or Cade? Not potential, but right now. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're kind of like they're different players, so it's kind of hard to say. I guess Cade, because he's had more of a role. Um, he's been able to, you know, be that that top level type of rookie. I don't think Maxi ever got that opportunity, but I think Maxi could have a big jump. I think he's going to have another huge jump this year, and I think both of them are going to be great players. Yeah, I think Maxi's going to take a huge jump too. I know he says not potential, but if you know, when I think about those two players, I'm thinking about a top pick in the NBA draft has a potential to be an NBA superstar. Uh, if Maxi becomes an NBA superstar, that would be like well above what he was expected to be in the NBA. So yeah, right. it's hard to compare those two players, yeah. but. For Maxi, for me, man, it's all about confidence. What I saw when he was the most confident last season, when he was playing free and he had nothing in the back of his mind telling him maybe I shouldn't take this shot, when he was totally unlocked, he'll drop 38 points and be totally unstoppable. Um, and then there's times where you could tell the the maybe a bigger game, bigger situation, playoffs, deep into the playoffs, and he was kind of questioning himself. Am I the guy? Should I be doing this or should I be looking for someone else? So. I think Mac, and I think he knows that he's a smart kid. I think he's probably working on those kinds of things, and he's probably you know gonna be in a mindset when we get deep into the playoffs this next season of that. Like I'm the I'm one of these guys. I'm one of the big three, and uh, you know Sam Cassell and James Harden are probably telling him that every day. Also, I don't know about Doc Rivers. I don't know if Doc Rivers is telling anyone anything. I think Doc Rivers has been just been golfing all summer, but I think Sam Cassell and, and James Harden particularly probably have been telling Maxi. You're one of the guys. This is a big three. You're one of them. You yeah. take 20 shots if you have 20 open shots. Yeah. And and one last thing on that. I just, you know, there's just no rhyme or reason for Maxi to go for 35 in a game and, and then not even be aggressive the next game. I think more time, more time to mesh with James Harden in this offense. Like I said, having more than a 25-game sample size, really getting that down together, I think it will be huge for this team this offseason. Um, and, and just getting more comfortable, you know, with each other. Uh, shout out to Top Shot. Appreciate it again with the $10 Super Chat. It says, Joel needs lots of load management. Late in the season, he looked tired and gets beat up like crazy after two rounds. Think he can last two more. Think his conditioning can take another step. Well, I got to be honest with you, man. Um, I believe that Joel Embiid, you look at the last two years, um, Joel Embiid has really taken a step each year. I don't know what the limit is for Joel. He could come out and look even better, right? We, we said that this past year. How did he even look even better? Right, he took all that drama. He took everything around him, and, and he used it as motivation. Maybe he'll do that again. Maybe he wants to win that bad. Honestly, I thought he was in good conditioning. I just thought that he had a freak injury, which sucks. And I also thought that he didn't have any help late down in the season in the playoffs. So you're you're tirelessly using this guy who already has such a high usage rate. He's a, he's you know the scoring champ as a center, right? He's obviously going to have more wear and tear on his body. I just think he needs some more help, and he needed somebody to step up. Honestly, I, I think he'll be all right. I do. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think he was in great shape too. Um, when I saw, I remember it specifically one jump shot that they played in slow motion on ESPN where the ball came off his hand and didn't spin at all because he was shooting yeah. the ball without his without his thumb. So that was part one. Like then he he lost confidence in his in his ability to even score because he couldn't shoot the ball the way they wanted to shoot it. And then he was a little bit reluctant to go down and really bang bodies in the post because he's he got smacked in the face at half court by yeah. I forget who hit him. To me, that's what changed a lot of it is when he got hit in the face with that mask on, he was laying on the floor like that probably hurt like hell. We don't know what kind of headache that sends through your head when yeah. you have a fractured bone in your face like that. You know, so yeah. a lot of those injuries were 99.9% .9 of it, I think, also. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, hopefully he'll stay healthy and, and we can avoid that. Shout out to uh, QWERTY with the $3 Super Chat. Appreciate his thoughts on Shake Tease and the first for Clarkson. Um, I don't think that'd be enough to get it done, uh, but definitely something we will be bringing up as we get into the next part of the show. Um, who knows what's going to happen with the Utah Jazz, man? They could blow it you up. Think, um, I, I got a hot take, I guess. I think I think Clarkson's a little bit overrated. Um, Oof. you know he's he's a very good bench scorer, and he's and he's uh, I you know one of the one of the streakiest, not streakiest, but one of the uh, what's the word you use for like quick in the game bang bang uh players off the bench so i'm not saying it's a bad thing to have jordan clarkson on your team obviously it's a good thing uh but when you look at his numbers you know he's not like crazy efficient or anything and there's games where he has zero and there's games where he has 30. um i just think you can find that in in, in a couple of other players and i don't think it's uh, i i don't know if i'm i mean the sixers aren't good at drafting so i don't i shouldn't care that much about first round draft picks but Shake and a first. Uh, I think you can get more from Matisse Thibel and a first than Clarkson. Um, but you know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Well, we'll definitely get into it. I, I know we're we're probably going to butt heads at that point, which is okay. It's all right, you know, to to discuss for all those out there that I see going at each other in the chat, man. It's all right to d debate. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk and discuss, man, and, and that's what we like to do. I mean, it would be nice. I just, I don't think I would give up that much for him. That's all. I don't think he's, I don't think they're going to get a crazy return for Jordan Clarkson. I really don't. Well, I, I completely disagree, but I, I I'm definitely excited to jump into it, man. And, <laughs> and once again, if anybody wants to call into the show, man, 508-924-3784, call into the show, give us some thoughts. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about that. Shout out to Sean though, with the $10 super chat. Shout out to my guy, man. It says, I hate to say this. I'm hoping the Sixers have a Phillies type of start and more he gets impatient, calls Doc, and gives Sam uh, the coach. And those three to four games they played with no Doc were eye-opening. Mm, interesting. Talking about the, the Dan Burke stretch. Hey, we did have a lot of enthusiasm, and, and I, you know, I agree with you. Team looked a little bit different. It looked a little bit different, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I can't wish a slow start on my team. Uh, but I will say Sam Cassell is going to be one heck of a head coach, whether it's here or somewhere else one day. Um, shout out to Jabbar Wright with the $5 super chat. Appreciate everybody supporting the shows, man. Once again, we got 450 people up in here on a Thursday evening. Not much going on, but you guys continue to hold it down. We're live on two shows right now. Philly Tig with RB running back Philly. Hit the like. Hit the like right now. That helps spread the content. It's free. We appreciate everybody being in here. All right, let's let's uh, get into the next part of it. Let's get into the next part. So, before we before we jump into the Jordan Clarkson and 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 that whole thing, uh, Donovan Mitchell. All right, and it's been a it's been a talk of the town the last couple of days. 
I put a take on Twitter. I got, you know, absolutely flooded uh, with people. I, <laughs> all I said was, you know, in, in light of the Donovan Mitchell rumors, by the way, it is rumored that the Knicks are starting to heat up on that. So we'll see how that goes. But essentially, Donovan Mitchell seems like he may get traded, right? The Jazz have 11 picks and they're looking to add to that. Go full rebuild after trading Gobert. Look at the hole that they got. And, I, you know, I don't think it would be likely or anything like that that the Sixers could get their hands on Mitchell. But the whole topic has come up, if you've been sleeping under a rock, would you trade Tyrese Maxey in a Donovan Mitchell trade? Moreover, would Tyrese Maxey be untouchable in exchange for a star? Uh, DJ, your take on that. The way I think people need to look at it is... Do, do you consider Joel B. James Harden and Tyrese Maxey right now a big three in the NBA? Is anybody in the NBA looking at that and saying that's a big three? Or is it, a, is it in our mind a big three because we know what Maxey can become? Mm. So there's a level of hoping that he becomes it faster than is normal for an NBA player. All I'm saying, and I said it on, on a video, pissed off a lot of people. All I'm saying is Donovan Mitchell, to me, is Tyrese Maxey in four years. Tyrese Maxey's a better three-point shooter. I get that. Tyrese Maxey doesn't get the luxury, hasn't had the luxury of shooting 25 shots a game. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's not very efficient. Uh, he takes a lot of bad shots, on and on and on, but he did score 26 points per game on a team where the defense was paying attention to him. You know, his other star, Rudy Gobert, doesn't exactly draw defenses on the offensive side of the floor. Nobody's scared that Rudy Gobert is going to score the ball. So I think if you put him on a team with Joel Embiid and James Harden at the level that James Harden believes he can get back to, that would be a lot more unstoppable than the Sixers with Tyrese Maxey right now. <laughs> That's all I'm saying is right now. I love Tyrese Maxey and I would hate to do it. But I might hit, I might do it. Like my finger would be right next to the button. And I would probably do it because I think that would be enough star power, scoring power for you to win an NBA championship. And I would be sad because I love Tyrese Maxey. But I just think Donovan Mitchell is a little bit more of an experienced, consistent scorer right now than Tyrese Maxey is. So I'm going to give my take on it. Um, I would have essentially not do it. Um, this takes nothing away from Donovan Mitchell. I'm a big fan of his game. I think he can ball. I think he can play. Here's what it comes down to for me. You look at Tyrese Maxey, who's 21 years old. All right, He, he made almost a 10-point increment jump in his game. Went from 8 points, 17 and a half this past year. That was the first year of him starting, by the way, surrounded by a ton of drama and, you know, even a midseason huge blockbuster trade. He also went to being a top three shooter from deep in the NBA. This is in one year. When do you see those types of things happen uh, from a guy, especially like Tyrese Max? He had a couple big emerging moments in the playoffs, but but most over, you know, look at the Utah Jazz, right? They haven't been able to get over that hump either. You talked about Rudy Gobert. Well, my question is, you know, if we bring in Donovan Mitchell, first off, it's not going to be a one-on-one -on -one swap. We do know that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's going to take Maxi, and what they want is draft capital. Sure, they would like a young cornerstone, 
but it's going to take some draft capital as well. Um, but just say, you know, a trade was in the works. It would take Tobias to too for more. the it would take Tobias too for the contract. I think that's where it gets like, okay, now we're giving up, you know. Yeah. You you would lot. have to give up more. You would have to give up more for sure. The thing about it to me is, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, is he that efficient, you know, of a scorer and a, a ball handler? And, you know, Maxie played off the ball in college. He's played like that in the NBA. He can do it next to James Harden. We've seen it. What would a Donovan Mitchell, James Harden, Joel Embiid offense look like, right? Donovan Mitchell hasn't played with an, with an interior big man that can put the ball in the hole. So how is that going to look? And who's going to really be, be you know, handling the rock most of the time? Are you going to have James Harden playing <laughs> off the ball? I mean, he struggled, you know, with the catch and shoot. He's got to get better with that. I just, I don't know if the fit is there. And, and really it comes down to Tyrese Maxey and my belief in him. I think this kid has superstar written all over him. Uh, and he wants it. He wants it bad. I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell doesn't. I wouldn't be mad if we got Donovan Mitchell. I just think Maxie's going to be really, really good opening eyes. I think he's already started to do that, and I just like the fit with James Harden, and I believe in the kid, and uh, I think he's going to be special for a long time. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it would be hard for me, and I, I would, if I would do it, I would I could possibly end up regretting it. So, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, somebody in the chat just said that Mitchell doesn't pass the ball or catch and shoot. And when you think about that, and then you think about Tyrese Maxey and the way that he's, the level that he shot the ball last season from three and his ability to catch and shoot, uh, you know, he is developing a lot more, uh, a wider range of skill sets than it looks like Mitchell has at this point. Um, so it would be hard to give up, and it could end up being a bad move, uh, yeah. you know, a couple years down the road. So, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a GM because if that was pre- – <laughs> I, I would quit. I would just retire. I'd be like, I don't want to make this decision. Uh, but, you know, I love Tyrese Maxey. And uh, Mitchell, you know, people aren't wrong saying he's inefficient and he doesn't pass the ball. Uh, I always throw this stat out there because it's fun for me to say. Uh, the only two players in NBA history that have a game with 35 uh, shot attempts and zero assists are Carmelo Anthony and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> shot the ball 35 times in a game and didn't record a single assist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the difference is Carmelo Anthony scored 61 points in that game and won. Donovan Mitchell scored 31 points and lost. So he scored 31 points on 35 shots and had yeah. zero assists and lost so you know uh, yeah, and, I, every, everyone's right with their takes really it would be difficult for me to make the decision yeah and, and someone the other day said to me oh well donovan mitchell had 57 in a playoff game you're out of your mind okay well he lost that game he lost the series um and, and you know to even to, to back him up though like he hasn't had a dominant center so how would it look i'm just questioning the fit of him and james harden with the way that they play also mitchell has been known to be a you know not a prominent defender, so how would that look? I've at least seen Maxi get a little bit better on his feet, working on his footwork. I I think they're similar players, but I think the upside of Maxi, uh, I think he's going to be really good, man. And I think we've seen flashes of it already. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, he's probably going to go. Uh, he's probably going to go to the Knicks, and you know they're going to sell this Jalen Brunson, uh, Donovan Mitchell thing like it's like it's Jordan and Pippen, and uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that good. Hey, I mean, it'll be interesting. Can he lead a team? You know, can he be that guy? Can he be, you know, one A, one B? Can he be one? I mean, it, you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, 
not to get sidetracked, but the whole Brunson thing just astonishes me. And I'm I'm a huge Brunson guy. I'm a Nova guy, and I just you know can't believe. Yeah, listen, it. a player is going to look a lot different when he's not playing off of Luka Doncic. You know what I mean? So you know, yeah. I don't. Crazy. You know, I know the Knicks are desperate for a name. The Knicks are desperate for maybe a player, and they're desperate for a point guard also. That can, I, I would know. do it though if I was the Knicks. Like I think it makes sense for them to you know stack up draft assets and finally get a name like a Donovan Mitchell. I think they need more though. Um, but that's the question. Like, can Donovan be that guy? And I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah. And, and then maybe they become more of a, I mean, I guess New York is always a large market destination, but maybe they yeah. become more of an actual destination for free agents. If for sure, you know, he goes sure. there. Absolutely. Uh, shout out to Gambo becoming a YouTube member, wherever you became a member of shout out to you. Um, shout out to Harshawn with the $2 super chances. We should trade for <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Um, he said the I, same thing I, on my stream yesterday. Same guy said the same thing. <laughs> I I highly disagree, but appreciate the take. And uh, why does he keep super chatting to say that? You see, he did that yesterday, man. He's a, he's a Russell Westbrook stand. Well, look, we got fans all over, man. We got two five stands. We got Westbrook stands. We got all of them, man. I love it. I yeah, love I was it. talking to a Westbrook stand today, um, in in public, face to face, and I couldn't believe the things that he was saying. Uh, you know, he just gets I, a I, bad rap and. Uh, LeBron also couldn't shoot and all kinds of crazy things he was saying. I mean, I mean, you God. know how these people are defending their players, man. I, I think Westbrook will go to the Nets and, and get bought out essentially. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. It's such a bad contract. It's a guy that's not going to make your team better that you have to pay $40 million a year for. It's impossible to trade. Yeah, it's bad. Top shot with the $5 super chest. This Thibel has zero trade value. Dude has yips and couldn't shoot. Thanks for streaming. Hit the like. Yes, sir. Pronounced top shot Tesla. Appreciate the super chat and all the support, man. Shout out to everybody out there. Hit the like button, man. You heard them. 450 people still up in here. <laughs> We're almost an hour into this, man. Just talking, having a good time. We're, we'll, we'll get to some of the comments. Also, again, call into the show if you want to give a take on the whole Mitchell Maxi thing. Keep it, you know, classy, of course. But if you want to chime in, if you have a different take, give us some thoughts, man. Uh, shout out to everybody out there supporting the show. But anyway... Building on top of that to where I, I really believe the Sixers could capitalize, and I, I, you know, obviously you disagree, but let's talk about Jordan Clarkson. And not only Jordan Clarkson, how about Patrick Beverly? This is a guy, I was the first one on this boat, man. A couple years ago, I got flamed. I said we should trade for Patrick Beverly. Nobody wanted him. Last year, I said we should trade for Patrick Beverly. He goes and has an incredible postseason uh, obviously, they got bounced, but, you know, just to go on that run to mentor Anthony Edwards to bring that dog, right? And he gets thrown into the trade for Rudy Gobert. They sent a, a king's ransom, and, you know, they have all these expendable pieces. If you blow up Utah and you get rid of Mitchell, you got to get rid of these pieces, right? So this is a tweet I put out, and I would love to get your take. Obviously, I know what you think about Clarkson, but Pat Bev or Jordan Clarkson, or even a guy like Malik Beasley, these are pieces to me that the Sixers could probably get on a fire sale and, and capitalize on, I think they would be better than what we have, you know, off the bench that, you know, and some of the guys we have on the bench right now, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, adding Jordan Clarkson to your team is not a bad thing. I'm not, you know, I, I think he's slightly overrated. Um, uh, just because, you know, he can't play any defense and, and you know, he, he's just not the most efficient, uh, scorer over the course of a whole season. But he, again, somebody in the chat said it the right way. He's the best microwave scorer in the NBA. I agree with that. And adding him to your team definitely makes you better. 
Um, I just wouldn't be happy about giving up a, a lot for, for Jordan Clarkson. But, you know, when I really think about it, Matisse basically became unusable for us. Um, and a first-round pick is a first-round pick at this point when we're trying to win. So you get rid of a guy that you kind of get, came to the point and, and couldn't use – and a first round pick for Jordan Clarkson. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm going to be angry about it. I'm not going to be. I just, I just think he's slightly overrated in the eyes of, of most people in, the, in uh, NBA fans. But you know, Jordan Clarkson and DeAnthony Melton coming off your bench is two microwave scorers in my opinion, and that's that's better than one. So two is better than one. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would be happy about it. I just don't want to give up a ton for Jordan Clarkson. That's all. I I disagree. I think Jordan Clarkson would put this team over the top. I think having a guy that could come off the bench playing 20 minutes and I essentially playing like the, you know, starter minutes off the bench. He was the sixth man of the year, not this year, but last year uh, he averaged 18 plus off the bench. I mean, this guy was putting it up from anywhere. I remember he had that one huge game against us. I think he had like 40 points. Um, yeah, he's not afraid yeah. to shoot. He's an acrobatic finisher. He's another guy that can put it on the floor. And, and like I've said about, for example, a PJ Tucker, he's a guy, you know, is going to produce. There's no questions that he's going to come in and, and get some buckets, right? When Furkan, Korkmaz, Shake Milton, those kind of guys come in, I don't know. You know, it's a night-to-night -night type of thing. Jordan Clarkson will come in and immediately be the best player on this bench. I think I'd be willing to give up a couple bench pieces. You look at what he's making, $13, 14000000 million over the next couple of years. He's To me, he's actually on a discount right now because I think he could go somewhere and be a starter. And at one point, I didn't think he was like that. I thought he really embraced his role in Utah. That's where it comes in for me. You know, he doesn't have to be a top dog. He can be that perfect piece coming off the bench, playing alongside Harden, Maxi, Embiid, or some of your second unit guys. I think he'd be a perfect fit, and I think he'd put this team over the top. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jordan, Jordan Clarkson had his chances to start on NBA teams, and I think he got to where he is as the sixth man of the year because he's not uh, consistent enough to be a solid NBA starter. I, I, I think he's a perfect bench player because – of his flashes like his he's inconsistent but when he is good he's really really good like dropping 41 points off the bench um you know but when you look at his per 36 numbers i just got him up here uh he shoots uh per 36 he shoots 31 percent from three 41 percent from the floor averages 10 three-point attempts per 36 which is massive so he's jr smith basically comes in and <laughs> fires away and that's good for for 10 minutes off the bench, but that's not very good for starter level minutes, I don't think. Uh, and a player, again, who I think, call me crazy, with the amount of time off the bench that Jordan Clarkson gets, I think DeAnthony Melton can be just as good as Jordan Clarkson. Now, let me find DeAnthony Melton's per 36. I just had him up here. I got to scroll through the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E. Where's E at? Um... Yeah, right here. Per 36, DeAnthony Melton, 40% from the field. That's not very good, but 37% from three on eight threes per 36. But even more important to me is the one block per game, two assists, uh, or four assists, I'm sorry, and 2.3 steals per 36, and seven rebounds per 36 at six foot two. Uh, so, you know, the things people hold against Clarkson is the fact that he's a turnstile on defense. I think with DeAnthony Melton, you're getting almost the same scoring output, 17 points per, per 36 versus 21. I know, you know, Jordan uh, Clarkson's averaging almost four more per 36, but I think Melton's going to be microwave scorer off the bench, and he's athletic, 
and he can play defense, and he can rebound at six foot two. So I don't think they're that far apart. But you know, we're 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 on separate pages on Jordan Clarkson. But um, <laughs> again, again, I'm not gonna be mad about it if you put Jordan Clarkson on the team. I just don't think he's the end all be all. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I respect the take. Um, I I just I would pull the trigger uh, if he's available, and even if you can't get Jordan Clarkson. I would go and try to get Patrick Beverly. Imagine a trio coming off the bench of Pat Bev, George Niang, and PJ Tucker. I mean, that would be the most annoying show in basketball for every other team. Pair that with Joel and B, James Harden go to the free throw line. They would absolutely hate us. But imagine oh, yeah. going from a team that admitted that they were mentally weak in a playoff series and adding dogs like that on this team. Pat yep. Bev would be a fan favorite. I've been on yep. it for two years. I mean, just the energy he would bring to this team, right? When when the Sixers mm-hmm. are in a five-minute scoring drought, as we like to do in the third quarter, you know, Pat Bev would come on the floor and make something happen. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a huge bucket getter. He's not going to be a 20 points per game type of guy, uh, 15 off the bench. No, no, he's going to make stuff happen, though. He's going to do the little things, kind of like a P.J. Tucker. Um, I, w- I would get Pat Bev in a heartbeat as well. Yeah, I think Patrick Beverly would fit perfectly in Philly and the fans would love him. I agree with that. He just has that, he has that dog in him. He has that competitive spirit. He has that, like, just wants to win, whether it's an NBA game or a random, like, Sunday pickup game at, like, a family picnic. He's probably, like, diving on the concrete court, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like he's just that kind of guy, and Philly would love him. And P.J. Tucker also, and I I love the fact that we got P.J. I think Philly's going to love P.J. Tucker and his attitude and the way that he plays. Um, And Patrick Beverly would just be another one if you get him for – you know, veteran minimum or something like that. There's no reason not to add him to your locker room and to your to your team. Yeah, and, and like I said, just look at the impact he had on that Timberwolves team. I think he was huge, and I think he was, you know, more underrated than than people really imagined. Um, shout out to Harshon once again with the two dollars super chat. Because <laughs> need a trade for Westbrook, he'd be perfect. Uh, and once again, I, I disagree, man. Uh, Harshon has now spent $6 in two days uh, telling us that we should get Westbrook. (laughs) Hey, supporting the vision, man. Supporting the vision. Mr. Roddy Poo with the $5 super chat says, RB, what fire sale elephant in the room? Danny Ainge. We're not getting anybody on a discount. All right. Well, again, you know, think about it logically. If you trade Donovan Mitchell, you are essentially telling the rest of the league you are going uh, into a full rebuild. There's no going back. I'm not saying you're going to get them on a huge major discount for nothing. All I'm saying is that you're going to be able to acquire these pieces. That's what I mean, man. You're going to be able to go get these guys. Um, you know, not everybody is going to pay a King's ransom to a team that is in full rebuild that just got five first round picks for Gobert. They may get five more for Donovan Mitchell, right? We know what Danny Ainge is. We know who he is. How about it's our time to fleece him, man? How about it's yeah. our time to to go get a Jordan Clarkson for a couple guys you know, they can buy him out and, and keep the draft picks. Come on, man. Listen, when you think about Danny Ainge, man, this guy, and it's why the Gobert, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think about, I don't know about a fire sale, but uh, Danny Ainge knows how to uh, sell players at the right time, uh, at their highest point when he's, you know, maybe over them trying to fit together and, you know, stacking draft picks. He did it in Boston perfectly and ended up with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and on and on and on. So, uh, you know, yeah, I agree. They get rid of Mitchell. They're in a full rebuild mode. There's no reason for them to keep Jordan Clarkson or anybody else of value. 
Yeah, exactly. Someone in the chat said, uh, what did DeAnthony Melton do in the playoffs when John Morant got hurt? That is true. Uh, he did struggle a little bit, still on the young side, um, but he did struggle. Um, and that, that's kind of one fear I do have. Uh, you know, I, One, I hope that he gets the minutes, but second, I hope that he's able to really step into that next role you know, and be one of those prominent guys coming off the second unit for this team. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't... I don't expect uh, a 23-year-old bench player to come in and, and when John Morant gets injured and do anything amazing in the playoffs. I don't expect uh, him to – if James Harden goes down, I don't expect him to lead the team. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> who expects that? I just think he's going to be a great scorer off the bench. That's it. Yeah, I hope so. We need it, man. We need it. Um, but, yeah, overall, I, th I think we're in agreement that the, where the Sixers are at uh, – is in a much better spot than they were months ago, right? Uh, you know, and, and we're doing what we can based off of what we have. We have a couple of these young players, you know, we're watching them in summer league, hoping they get some opportunity. Really, it's going to come down to the top thing. Will Joel Embiid, will James Harden stay healthy, right? We need that to happen. We need those guys to look fierce, superior, and, and be those guys. I have no question that Joel Embiid will. I hope James Harden can. I really hope so. And if Maxi takes a jump, um, I think this team can finally get over that hump, man. I think this is the time. I think you added a couple winners, um, and and that's more than we had, you know, off the bench. You know, we we need that supplemental help. Uh, I think guys like PJ Tucker do a lot for your team. Yeah, people. Are, some people are still saying, you know, we need more. We need more. We need more. But again, I don't think we need more. I think we need Joel Embiid to be healthy. I think we need Joel, James Harden to play closer to a to an elite level. Uh, or at least an all-star level and show up in the playoffs and be a scoring threat in the second half of important playoff games. Uh, we need Maxi to continue to develop and have a big-time year three. And the bench is a lot stronger right now than it was last season. And, you know, we, we should have beat the Miami Heat even with that awful bench and lack of athleticism and everything else. Um, you know, people underestimate the impact that Joel Embiid has. He Again, his rookie season, which he only played three months, I think, when he came back from the foot finally and then hurt his knee and was out again. Ben was supposed to come back in January. He didn't. Joel Embiid, with nobody except, like, TJ McConnell, uh, 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 Dario Saric, and uh, who's the who's the dude, the, the defender? Uh, anyway, basically okay. nobody. He went, yeah, Robert Covington. He went 12-5. and five in the month of January, his rookie season, with his first time ever playing in the NBA. He was leading a team to a 12-5 and record in that month. Joel Embiid's impact is through the roof when he's healthy, and you just need the right players around him to win a championship. That's how I feel. People say you can't win with your center being your number one uh, option. I disagree. I yeah. just think we haven't seen a center like Shaquille O'Neal since Shaquille O'Neal, and Joel Embiid is that guy. Yeah, and I think the last couple of years, you know, we had opportunities. We we had guys, but I don't think it was enough uh, around him. Um, shout out to everybody, though, in the chat, man. 450 up in here. Hit that like button for your boys. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, man. Shout out to wherever you guys are watching. If you want to call into the show, 508-924-3784. This, this is your chance, man. We'll take a couple callers, call into the show, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I do want to ask DJ, though, one question. Definitely interested to hear what you have to say about this. Um, your take right now on the one main thing or, or the top thing or whatever that concerns you most at this point in time heading into next season. What concerns me the most about the Philadelphia just, 76ers? Just one thing. 
you know, that maybe we didn't address or, you know, you look at this team, obviously we think they got better. We think they're there. What is one thing right now where you're, it's still in the back of your head, like, Dang, roster, roster wise, are we talking about the roster in general? In general, you know, it's Doc Rivers. It's easily it's Doc Rivers. It's one hundred percent Doc Rivers for me. It's one hundred percent Doc Rivers. I am talking in a positive light because it's fun for me. But when I remember that Doc Rivers is our head coach, it brings me back down. You have to have enough talent to outperform Doc Rivers as a head coach. I really think that's true. I think the Boston Celtics in 2008 had enough talent that Doc Rivers being horrible didn't matter. And then for the rest of his career, he's proven to be terrible, uh, got traded by that Boston Celtics team, one of the only coaches in NBA history to be traded for a first-round pick, got fired uh, in Orlando and got fired in L.A., and he's here, and all all of Philly Philly has seen why everyone hates Doc Rivers everywhere else. Now, now Philly hates Doc Rivers, and you need enough talent to outperform Doc Rivers' deficiencies as a head coach. I think we have enough talent. First of all, I think we have enough talent at the assistant coach position that makes up a lot for how bad Doc Rivers is. Um, I think Daryl Morey is getting closer and closer to telling him, hey, listen, you need to change things up. You need to do things the way we want you to do them. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some big-time disagreements in the in the offices this season because Doc Rivers doesn't listen to anyone. He had disagreements with Danny Ainge, who we can all probably agree is one of the best GMs in recent memory, and that's why they traded him. I this guy's a disaster, seriously. Um, and I think you know, it's, I, I think the Sixers with Joel Harden, Maxi at at as good as I think they can be this upcoming season and a good bench can be good enough, and you know. The assistant coaching staff can can fill in the the spaces, and Doc can just be that old guy that gets up there and argues with the media. Uh, I think they can. It sucks that I feel like we have to outperform Doc Rivers' deficiencies, but yeah, Doc Rivers is is the thing. It's the you know thing what? for sure. You know what? I for once I'm gonna I'm gonna refute that. And trust me, by no means am I here just you know being a Doc defender. But I just have a I have a comment to reply to that with. Um, Look at the last two years. If we didn't have one of the craziest basketball player situations ever, <laughs> to, to put it frank, or if Joel Embiid didn't have four different injuries in the span of a week and a half, even with Doc Rivers and some of the things we were very frustrated about, we go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. And I, I just... It's tough to see sometimes, right? Like if Joel was healthy, we're probably in the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe the Finals. And I, I think the number one thing that it comes down to is can these guys stay healthy into the playoffs? Can for once, can we just see a healthy James Harden, Joel Embiid, you know, together a tandem? Sure, we need to play the young guys. Sure, we need to get Maxi incorporated and and going in the offense. But you know, I, I don't know. I mean. It's it's been the track record of Doc Rivers, right? A lot of different interesting situations, and then the the stars kind of crumbled down and and all that. But I mean, if things went a little bit different, if we had a different guy, I mean, just a different attitude mentality, we may be talking about a difference for once. We may be talking about getting over that hump. And um, yeah. I don't know, man. Just a thought on it. I like your take on that, and uh, you know, because a lot of times I think just the sport of basketball in general does the coach even really matter that much? 
you know, when you talk about like championship level teams, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and that supporting cast, or LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and that supporting cast, or you know, though there's a, the the Warriors for how many years? There's teams that are good enough that uh, you know my six year old son could coach them to an NBA championship. So you you ask I ask myself a lot: Does the coach actually matter? I think when a team is is struggling then you focus more on the coach's decisions. Then you say, like, he should have done this, he should have done that, he should have done this, and we're probably right about it, but did it actually make that much of a difference in the long run if Drew LMB wasn't healthy? So I get what you're saying there, you know what I mean? Um, you know, hey, you should have played Paul Reed instead of uh, uh, Paul Millsap, but, like, was that winning us a championship if Joel's not healthy? So I get it, you know? Uh, yeah. I think I think we do... Uh, uh, magnify a coach's decisions when things are going bad more than probably we should because it's five on five and the five better players usually win the game. So I agree. You know, maybe the coach doesn't matter that much. Just a thought. Um, but I, I, you know, the one thing I do hopefully pray is cut out is just the arrogance and the, you know, the rebuttals with reporters and the, you know, the comments that are just that way happened. out of line. That that is, you know, will prevent you from having a strong mentality. Um, and, and maybe you go and get a guy like PJ Tucker to help, you know, to, to kind of overpower that right and, and be one of those voices. Um, but that really real that's what really bothers me. Um and when you think about how he comes off uh to the media, think about how he might come off in a locker room, you yeah. know? Is True. he very open? Is he listening to people? Is he is he that easy to talk to? Or is he, no, it's this way. Uh, I've been coaching for 79,000 years, so I'm right. Everybody be quiet. Like, that's just how he comes off. And I just don't think he's that likable of a guy. The way that he th he's point. condescending. Yeah, hey, it's a good point. Um, we'll go to uh, one of the callers on the line. We'll get some thoughts on whatever it may be. Shout out to, uh, and they hung up, of course. We've had like three calls <laughs> and hung up. It's like, why are you guys hanging up, man? We're probably trying to Doc. get to the lines, man. We're giving our takes. It's probably Give Doc Rivers. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it's Brett Brown. There you go. There you go. Shout out to my guy, Brett Brown, back in the NBA, man. Assistant <laughs> coach, man. He, yo, and you, hey, I, I don't think I got to tell you this. this. This is how we'll end off the show, man. Hot take alert, all right? Brett Brown is the successor to Greg Pop. In San Antonio, Becky Hammond went to the WNBA. I believe in a year, maybe two, Brett Brown will be coaching the San Antonio Spurs on a full rebuild. They traded Dejounte Murray. They got draft capital. They're going for that guy next year from France. Uh, when Baya, I believe is is how you pronounce his name, or you know he's got a crazy name, um, but he can play, and they're they're tanking to get him. And hey, I look, think Brett Brown will be the coach of the Spurs. <laughs> look. You know, uh, it's it may no it may not be a coincidence that you know the Spurs are going towards a tank and suddenly poof, out of a magic genie lamp, the tanking coach of all tanking himself, Brett Brown shows up. So maybe that's why. Um, Brett Brown to me has no idea what he's doing when it comes to basketball. I really think that this is the guy that traded. The hometown kid, Michael Bridges, for Zaire Smith. This is the guy. To his defense, he's not a GM. I don't even know why they threw him in there. He was interim GM. But, but he's a the, coach. But you could argue that interim GM meant 
you know, uh, Josh O'Neill or Scott O'Neill and Josh Harris and a bunch of billionaires yeah. were playing 2K and told him what to do. That's very possible. Uh, <laughs> but from seeing him, from seeing the team with, with him trying to run certain things and him saying that he knows what he's doing because he coached the Spurs in the 90s and you need to play from the center position. That's why he was obsessed with playing two centers at the same time, even though it should have been blatantly obvious that Joel Embiid needs as much space as possible. The guy is absolutely clueless. I don't think he's a basketball guy. I think he's a rugby guy. I think he's, I think he's, I really do. I don't think hey, he knows it, basketball at all. All right. We got a couple callers. We'll go bang, bang to close us off. This better be good, man. We'll go to, uh, we'll go to Ray in the six, one, two Ray. What's going on? Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up, man? What's up, Ray? Um, hey, um, I just, I just had a idea and I wanted to, Bring bring it up with you guys. See, yeah, let's hear you guys thought. Let's hear it. Um, I as much as like as more as I think about it with our lineup and like how, how everything is looking up. Because I mean, I feel like the team's pretty much looking like how it's gonna look like at the start of the season, right? So um, I I'm I'm thinking about our bench, and I feel like it, it was pretty obvious that we couldn't compete with Miami's depth. Miami just had really good depth. And you think about Tyler Hero off the bench, like that could give you probably 20 every consecutive night, which he was killing us the first two games until Embiid came back. Um, I think about Maxi in that Tyler Hero type of role, although I do feel like he could be better. Well, I, I do think he could be better. But um, I think Tyler Hero, when he came off the bench and he was like, he flourished as a player. He even like at the beginning of the season, he was talking about how he could, he, he should be in that t conversation with like, I think he said Luca and Trey young, but um, you think about that and you, you see how like he gained so much confidence off the bench average, like putting up 27 or 20, I forgot, but he was, he was putting up big numbers off the bench. And now they're even thinking about putting him back in the starting lineup. But I think about Maxi and how he's playing with Harding and Embiid you think about how he doesn't really have as much opportunities because he's playing against the MVP and he's playing against James Harden, which is he's basically saying that he's going to go back to the level he used to be at. So in what scenario do we really need him in the starting lineup? Because you're thinking about Harden, who's always needs the ball in his hands for him to actually play good, you know, for him to actually put up good stat lines, although he can average a triple-double every once in a while, but in Houston Harding, he he was a ball hawk. Um, so let's think about Maxi off the bench now. If you put Maxi on our bench unit in the playoffs, Maxi's gonna be able to kind of like build a name for himself, and also he's gonna basically carry that load off of the starters, right? So, I mean, I'm just I'm just kind of like in love with that idea. Appreciate the take, DJ. What do you think? Um, I kind of agree and disagree. Like, I, I think if you, if you had a chance to maybe get a, a star in place of Tobias Harris, and then you got a big three, and then you would have the luxury of having a player like Tyrese Maxey come off your bench, that would be an unstoppable force. And I think that would be amazing. Um, but you know, James Harden was a ball hog in Houston because the whole thing was centered around him. He didn't have a Joel Embiid. He didn't even have a Tyrese Maxey on that team. Uh, yeah. We saw Maxi and James Harden at a certain level where Maxi dropped 38 in the first uh, game of the playoffs. 
uh, or the first game against the Miami Heat. I forget. It's all a blur. But I think, no, Tyrese Maxey can play at a, at a seriously high level next to James Harden. Uh, James Harden's one of the most just polished, uh, perfect facilitators I've ever seen. The Where he puts the ball, when he puts the ball there, how he passes the ball. He's not a ball hog. He's the exact opposite of a ball hog. He wants to get Maxie involved. He wants to elevate the players around him. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, I, you know, the Tyler Hero comparison is a little bit random for me. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm completely against taking Maxie out of the starting lineup. Uh, the kids build his confidence. Look at what he's been able to do in terms of the jump. I think moving him out of the lineup is completely taking two steps backwards. Makes no sense to me. Um, like you said, I you know I think Maxi has shown uh, what he's able to do next to Harden. I think Harden's a great fit next to Maxi, and I think the two of them can coexist. Um, I'm not moving Maxi out of the lineup. I mean, I just think he's going to be really, really good, and I think he's shown that already. You know, with his starting last year. Um, yeah, I think you would need a reason to do it. I don't, I don't think you're just going to say, okay, let's try Tyrese Maxi off the bench when, especially when you can you can stagger lineups anyway. You know, you can have him running the show for certain parts of the game when Joel Embiid and James Harden are resting and things like that. Uh, that goes back to Doc Rivers knowing how to stagger players and things like that. Um, yeah. So you can you can have Tyrese Maxi where he's in a game in a situation. Uh, in situations where he's free to run the squad and, you know, get his shots up. So I don't think you have to put him on the bench to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I just – the Tyler Hero thing is they're not the same kind of player, like not even close really yeah, to me. I agree. Uh, shout out to everybody, though, man, hanging out in the chat with us. Still 440-plus, man. Appreciate you guys uh, for, for coming around. Obviously – like we said, it's a dry time right now. We have summer league on, a couple more games, um, and then we'll be talking about you know more of the roster as you know we see it, how things are going to happen. Um, but yeah, man, this was a fun show once again. Shout out to everybody out there. Hopefully, more people will call in and give their takes. I know you guys are are having a having a lot of debates there in the chat, man. So shout out to everybody once again. We're live. Philly take with RB running back Philly. All our socials there at the bottom. So definitely give us a follow. Come connect with us, talk with us. And uh really, most importantly, thank you guys for you know constantly supporting, man. Um yeah, absolutely. we've been we've been doing this for some time now. And it, you know, we love it, man. We love it and we appreciate all the takes, man, no matter what. So shout out to everybody out there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for supporting us. Um, you know, uh the numbers consistently throughout the offseason so far. <laughs> have been incredible uh for it not being basketball season um that's why the nba is amazing the drama never stops the storylines never stop um yeah. and yeah you guys have been you know you guys are starving for content the same way we're kind of starving to give it to you um in the off yeah. season and you know so thanks for tuning in whenever we do have something to say yeah absolutely man shout out to everybody out there once again appreciate you guys tuning in man we'll close it down on that um hey maybe we'll be back next week let us know if you enjoyed the show if you did drop a like and drop a comment man give us some some feedback maybe maybe you want to talk about james harden mitchell maxi clarkson pat bev give us all your thoughts uh you know down below in the comments and also if you're watching us on the second time around we're on all audio podcasting platforms all socials check us out man help us keep growing you guys are the best, man. Hope everybody has a great night. Have a great weekend and uh, and be safe.
RB, DJ. We're out, man. Peace.